I am so thrilled and delighted to see you, and I know you're glad to have family members home. We're so thrilled to have family members home and friends that I'm seeing and tonight that I haven't seen in a long time. And some of you that uh, I've had the privilege of getting to know this past year, welcome, welcome, welcome to Woodland. Woodland, let's make everyone that's visiting with us tonight, would you make them feel at home and welcome to our Christmas Eve service? <laughs> Hallelujah. We've been in a series here that I want to wrap up tonight on Christmas light, and we have looked at various ways that Jesus said that He is the light of the world. We also found it fascinating that Jesus said to us as well that you are the light of the world, that what He does in our lives, God does something so incredibly wonderful inside of us that we literally, as followers of Jesus Christ, we become the light of the world. And God says He doesn't want to hide you, He wants to show you off. And today I've just spent a little time scrolling through some Facebook posts and uh, you're showing off your grandbabies, you're showing off your children, you're showing off your Christmas tree. So tomorrow when I get a little bit of time, I'm going to show off too for just a little while and post some pictures of my grandchildren that are here and our family. We're just so thrilled that you're here tonight. But I'd just like to continue in that line of thought that Jesus said. In John chapter 12 and verse 36, Jesus says, put your trust in the light while there's still time. And tonight, I want to talk to you about light, and I want to talk to you about time as well. I, um, a couple of years ago, I saved an article from the Chicago Trib. I was given a, by a friend, I was given a gift to the Chicago Trib, and even though I don't live there, they thought it would just be an interesting newspaper for me to read, and so I would scan it every day when it came through and just kind of see what was there. But they published on Christmas Day what I thought was one of the most interesting articles. Sun Hu Wan thought we celebrated in America that Christmas was just part of our patriotic duty. And because of our patriotism, that's why we gave our friends gifts, that's why we had feasts, that's why the stores had sales. But eight years after Sun Wan Chen had immigrated to the United States, somebody told her what the true meaning of Christmas was all about. And when she discovered what the real meaning of Christmas was all about, she says, and I'm quoting her, I simply fell in love with Jesus Christ and I became a new woman. What I didn't know, but as I continue to read this wonderful article, was that the Chinese, at least the Cantonese Christian church, when they celebrate Christmas, they have their Christmas Eve service like we're doing tonight. They also have water baptism. And that might not be a bad idea for us to think about in the future. And Sung Wan Chin was baptized in faith, having given her heart to Jesus Christ. And this is what she said, according to the reporter, when she surfaced up out of the water, she wiped the water from her face and smiled. Today, it's like having two Christmases. Isn't that wonderful? Two Christmases, not only a day for feasting and celebrating with our family and sharing gifts, but for a day for celebrating God's wonderful gift to us in Jesus Christ. I've often asked myself, and I know you've asked yourself, why did it take God so long? Why did it take Him so long to send His Son into the world? The Bible says in Galatians 4.4, but when the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. And in this series, several times I have told you about when I took a group of students, a large group of university students, we spent two days hiking through a wild cave. 
we descended into a small hole, literally about that big around, into the side of a mountain down a rope. When my wife got to that hole, she looked at it and says, I'm not going in there. I said, you got to go, honey. It's a long way back to the car. We'd hike back. And I said, if you chicken out, the girls are going to chicken out. And she looked at me before she descended into the abyss and said, you owe me big time. I have never paid that debt to Becky. The next thing, and my wife has a fear of heights, the next thing we had to do was climb a 60-foot cliff up inside this huge room. And when we got to the top of that, she said, you're going to owe me even bigger for when we get to this. But we spent two days in that cave. And when we finally came around the corner, I remember one of the students, we called him Bones, his name is Mark. Mark hollered out, I can see the light. I can see the light. And everybody was so thrilled. Two days seem like an eternity when you're inside of a mountain, sliding in narrow passageways, crawling through the mud, climbing cliffs, sleeping, and there you're cold and you're wet and you're dirty when you come out of there. And you ask yourself sometime, why in the world did I think this was a good idea? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why did I think this was a good idea? It's kind of like the lady standing in a checkout line waiting to pay for her groceries in the mad rush at Christmas, Christmas, and she said, whoever thought of this ought to be crucified. (laughs) Somebody else looked at her and says, they already did. (laughs) You know, if you ever had an idea, you thought it was a good idea at the time, but you get into it and you wished it just, you hadn't had that idea. But God's timing and God's ways of doing things, they're nothing like our ways. In one place, the Bible says that a day with the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And when you think about the time and how God sent His Son, and I don't have time to go into that tonight, but when the light of the world, when the light of Christ, when Jesus was born, it was exactly at just the right time. There are several lessons that I take out of that in this Christmas, and I'd like to share them with you. Number one, don't ever be afraid. There's so many times that God said, fear not, trust me. Fear not, trust me. And there have been times in mine and Becky's life when we've really been afraid. I mean, those times when we wake up at night and we slide out of the bed together, one or the other will wake the other one up and say, we need to pray. And we join hands together by our bedside and pray. And to be honest with you, what prompts those times sometimes is, is the fear of what could happen But two words always calm us down, but God. Say that with me, but God. And that makes all the difference in the world when you factor God into the situation and to the occasion because things don't always go on our timetable. It's the reason that Jesus said in Mark chapter 5 and verse 36, don't be afraid, just have faith. Read that with me if you would tonight. Don't be afraid, just have faith. And faith is not as difficult as some people make it out to be. Faith is trust. After we had finished that two-day tour, spending the night in the caverns, it dawned on me that I had been trusted with a lot of students' lives. Our church had trusted me when I was a youth pastor. Parents had trusted me. The school trusted me from Valdosta State University that I took those students on this belonging trip. And I had done all my homework. I asked, how do we know the light's going to last? How do we, what happens if we get lost? Because there's no way to be contacted in the cave. And I went through everything. But I remember when I got back, I realized no one had ever asked me 
to give a detailed list for an emergency of what would happen. And when I asked, they said, we trusted you. And trust really brings out the best in people. I don't ever want to violate anybody's trust. Do you? There's something about trust and people trusting you. It just pulls the very it pulls the best out of you in a marriage. It pulls the best out of you raising your children. It pulls the best out of you in business. It pulls the best out of you in ministry. It just pulls the best out of a neighborhood when you know that you can trust one another. And what God is saying when He says, don't be afraid, just have faith, He's saying, trust me. And I think there are hundreds of people in this room tonight that you could stand up and tell us from your own personal experience why you can trust God. And if that's true, would you say a big amen right now? I mean, you've proven God. You've seen those times where God has, you've gotten out of bed like Becky and I have, and you've prayed, and those two words, but God, and you know I can trust Him. And sometimes I talk to people in our community, and they have told me things like, you know, there's no hope for me. I'll never be able to go to heaven. And they have this idea that God is out to get them, that God is out to punish them. Friends, God is not out to punish you. God is not out to get even with you. God punished Jesus Christ for our sins. And that lady had no idea what she was saying in the checkout line when they said somebody ought to crucify them. When Jesus was crucified, He paid the price for our sins. And that's what the angel was talking about when he says, you shall name Him Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. I think we just ought to give Him one more hand of praise for that tonight. He's not out to get even with us. He's out to save us. He's not out to punish us for our sins. Christ has already taken that. In Psalms 31 and verse 14, the psalmist David prayed, Desperate, I throw myself on you. You are my God. Circle that in your outline. You are my God. I'm not used to thinking about God like that. I belong to God. This church belongs to God. This world belongs to God. We don't sing it much anymore, but one of my favorite hymns is, This is my Father's world. Everything belongs to Him by right of creatorship. Whether you believe in Him or whether you're with us tonight as our guest and you don't believe in God, you still belong to Him because God created us. But He says to us tonight, we can pray, You are my God. And so hour by hour, look at it, hour by hour, minute by minute, I place my days in your hands, and I'm safe from the hands of those out to get me. It's why we pray with trust. It's why we don't fear. I've been told that there's over 365 fear knots in the Bible. And to find those, you have to go through and look at all of those verses of Scripture where it tells you why you don't have fear. But that really is one fear knot for every single day. That really is one promise for every single day of your life that you can trust God. That really is a promise for hour by hour and minute by minute. I, I don't know about you, but there are so many times I just have to get on my knees and here in our bedroom and my study and I have to just simply say, God, I trust you. I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand why this is happening, but I trust you. How many of you in here, you just lift your hand and say, I've had those moments too where I've just had to say, God, I don't understand it. I trust you. Look, leave it up for, as a testimony. Look around you tonight, family. You're not alone. I trust Him when I fail. And you go, oh, you know, I'm such a failure. Well, welcome to the human race. We've all failed. And if you've not failed, you're just lazy and you've never tried anything. 
I mean, if you try to do something for the glory of God, if you try to build a loving marriage, if you try to build a loving family, if you try to pastor a loving church, if you try to lead a loving community as a politician or a loving business, you're going to fail. It's just a fact of being human. But God, but God is always there when we cry out to Him and we do whatever it takes to say, God, I trust you. And when I tell God I have a need, I leave it in his hands because that's what Jesus said to do. Jesus said to me in the Bible, he says to you in the Bible, he says, tell your father what you need. Now, our grandsons are here tonight. They come to Becky always telling her what they need. They came to me one time, Nolan, the oldest one. We were at a Cracker Barrel. Dana, do you remember this? We were at a Cracker Barrel and... Nolan said to me, Papa, will you buy me a helicopter? Well, there was a helicopter in the gift shop. So I went to get Nolan a helicopter. He pitched a fit. I don't want that. I want a real helicopter. <laughs> and so since that time, I broke his heart and disappointed him. He understands, don't go to Papa, go to Grandma. She knows how to provide what they need, you know? And so, but you can never tell God anything too big, too extravagant, too out of the ballpark. God knows what we need. And when you live by faith, now listen, it's not always easy. When you live by faith, there is a real element of trust there. The other night our family was watching the movie that um, was about P.T. Barnum. And it was a musical. And I was just enthralled with it. And when I go to a circus or when we go to Cirque du Soleil in Orlando, I always like to watch the trapeze artists. That's my favorite part of the show. Because I remember as a student in college, there was a pastor who came through and preached in one of our chapels. And he talked about the trapeze of faith and how God will occasionally swing a trapeze your way. And on that trapeze is written one word, faith. And it's up to you to leap out and to trust him. But then he reminded us of something else. He said, underneath that trapeze, if you ever fail in trying to do something for God by faith, there is a net, and it's called the blood of Jesus that will forgive you for every sin and atone for every failure. He looked at us young ministerial students, and he says, don't ever be afraid to take a leap of faith. So God says at Christmas, fear not. Trust me in this. The second thing I want to share with you tonight is fret not. Be patient and be humble. Fret not. Be patient. From the dictionary, this is what fretting is. An irritated state of mind. An annoyance. Vexation. I have a question. I don't want you to lift your hands, but you may need to talk to Jesus right now. And for it's okay to tune me out for about 30 seconds. How many of you have been vexated, annoyed, in the traffic or in shopping this Christmas season. I'd said don't lift your hands. Because if you lift yours, i got to lift mine. And how many of you have said something, thought something, or did something you wish you had? Don't lift your hands. You wish you hadn't have done. You see, that's what fretting is. It causes us to be impatient and aggravated. It's like the guy who runs the red light. He's telling you, your life doesn't matter. My schedule is more important than your schedule. You see, fretting is that part that we ignore everybody else and we become impatient in life. 
It's when we're stressed out. It's when we're angry. It's when we're impatient. It's when we lose our cool. It's all those little things that we know what people are saying. The Bible says in Psalms 37 and verse 7, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Circle that word there in your outline. Don't fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. I'm telling you, friends, when you fret, it leads to negative emotions in your marriage. It leads to negative emotions with your children. It leads to negative emotions with your neighbors. And sooner or later, that begins to boil over and spill, no, spill over in their lives. He says, don't worry when other people are more successful than you are. I, I, I learned a long time ago not to envy other people's success. Sometimes success comes with a high price tag. How many of you know that? Sometimes success comes with a cost that other people aren't willing to pay. I learned a long time ago not to envy other people's prosperity. And at the same time, I learned a long time ago not to look down on those that maybe didn't enjoy the kind of success that I've enjoyed or maybe didn't enjoy the kind of prosperity that I've enjoyed. You're always going to find people that you're doing better or doing poorer than what they're doing. What I've learned to do is simply enjoy God and be, enjoy being with those people. Years ago, I got invited on a very, very, or Becky and I got invited on a very, very expensive trip, and I declined. I said, I can't afford the trip. And the person that invited us said, oh, we know you can't afford it. And I felt my face turn red and flush, and he says, don't be embarrassed, Pastor. He says, it's our gift to you and Becky. We want to bless you with this. And I learned a lesson because my pride wanted to, I know you're not proud, so this is my confession. You are humble, sweet, good people. You should be up here and I should be out there. And I, my pride wanted to say no. My wife said, say yes. <laughs> what a gift she is to me. And we enjoyed a wonderful trip and a wonderful time. You see, fret not about, if you will trust God, I promise you, if you trust God, God will go ahead of you, God will prepare a way for you, and you'll live your life happier and freer. It is worthless to fret, but it means everything to have a faith in God and to walk humbly and walk patient. God says, if you humble yourself under His mighty hand, He will lift you up in due time. I think that's another time we ought to give the Lord a hand of praise right there. I want to be lifted up. I want to be lifted up, not lifted up with pride, not lifted up with ambition, not lifted up with vanity. I want to be lifted up by the hand of God. I want God to lift you this Christmas. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Friends, You've had trying times in your life. And God's word to you in Jesus is simply this. Let your petitions, let your prayers, let them shape your worries into prayers. And tell God what bothers you. 
You see, patience is related to humility. I just wrote down, and there's no one here because these go way back in my journal. So I want to leave the platform for just a second. But these are things that people have told me. When I, when I ask you to stand or I take your hand, would you just stand up and remain standing for a minute? I've had people who tell me, I've sinned. How could God ever forgive me? I tell them, when Jesus forgives you, he lifts you up. I've had people tell me before, I failed so miserably. Jesus touches you and he restores you. He lifts you up. Now, these two guys I know, some of the rest of you I won't know tonight. I've met people who were bound in wheelchairs. I believe Jesus still heals, don't you? Jesus, and I've met people who were bound in wheelchairs and couldn't walk, and we've prayed and fasted for a while, and Jesus has taken and lifted them up and put them back on their feet. I know a sweet, sweet lady in, in Florida, in West Florida. She was totally blind, and God touched her and healed her. I was such a faith-filled preacher that I didn't believe it. Two weeks later, I thought that just had to be some emotional thing. I called the pastor two weeks later, and she could still see because when God does something, he does a good job at it. I don't care what it is. God is not in the business of putting you down. He's in the business of lifting you up this Christmas. Can we give him a hand of praise tonight? You guys can be seated. Thank you. You see... That's what happens when you humble yourself under God. He says, humble yourself then under God's mighty hand so He will lift you up in His own good time. I just have a question tonight. If you were to humble yourself before the Lord, what is it that God would lift you up out of tonight? What would God do in your life this Christmas? And then third, and forget not. Study God's promises. Forget not. One of the best things that ever happened to me, one of the very best things that ever happened to me was getting a smartphone. Now, I know there's all kinds of articles about how your smartphone makes you dumb. I know there's all kinds of articles about how your smartphone keeps you from talking to people. My smartphone doesn't rule me. But my smartphone reminds me of a lot of things that I don't need to forget, like my anniversary. <laughs> my smartphone reminds me of a lot of things I don't need to forget, like my children's birthdays and like their anniversaries. I wish it could remind me of their name sometime because I'm notorious for looking at Ben and saying, Andrew, I mean, Chris, what's your name? <laughs> I raised you. And sometimes they'll look at me and they'll go, Uncle Gary, Uncle Stacy, you know, they'll just rub my nose in it, you know. But smartphone has been my friend. Last night, my son was helping me with something with my computer and all of these little reminders that I tell it to remind me of things for the next day. And so people think, I remember. I don't remember. I got a smartphone and a computer. It reminds me. You see, I can remember Scripture verses better than I can remember appointments. Because I've spent my life, I've spent my life, I, I was memorizing the Bible. My parents were such wonderful parents. My grandmother was a godly woman teaching me Bible verses before I could even read. 
And so hiding God's word in my heart has been one of the greatest gifts that's ever been given to me. And so I want to give you a Christmas gift tonight and just simply remind you how important it is to study the promises of God. Because if you study His promises, you'll remember that God will forgive you. You'll remember that God will speak to you. You'll remember that God will never leave you. God will never abandon you. God will never forsake you. You'll remember no matter what you've done, God will forgive you and give you a fresh start in life. You'll remember that God is a healing God. But most of all, on this Advent season, you'll remember not only that Jesus was born in a manger, but one day Jesus Christ is coming again. And that's why it's so important to study the Bible. In James chapter 1 and verse 25, read this with me if you would tonight. However, the person, I can't hear you, read it with me. However, the person who continues to study God's perfect teachings that make people free and who remains committed to them will be blessed. Stop. How many would like to be blessed? All right. You've just got a Christmas gift right there. There's a key to blessing. Let's keep reading. People that don't merely listen and forget, they actually do what God's teachings say. Now, I'm going to tell you, some of the things you're going to find in the Bible you're going to like. You're really going to like it. Forgive, and you're going to be forgiven. How many of you like that? Can I see your hand? Some of the things you're going to find is like, if you will, if you will help others, you will be helped. How many of you like that? Some of them you're going to read, and you're not going to like them at all. And it says, love your enemy. And you want to hit them. Be honest. You know, I'm like Mark Twain. It's not the things in the Bible I don't understand that gives me problems. It's the things I do understand that gives me problems. You know, give and it will be given to you. But if you learn to trust God's Word, if you learn to trust His Word more than your feelings, then you'll find Psalms chapter 1 is true. Happy are those who find joy in obeying the law of the Lord and study it day and night. They are like trees that grow by a stream, and they bear fruit at the right time, and their leaves do not dry up. They succeed in everything they do. Now I want you to look at that. Succeed in everything they do. Ask yourself if you get some time tomorrow, but if you don't, Set a reminder in your smartphone. Maybe pull it out right now and set a reminder over your Christmas break. What is it you really want to do in life? And don't write something like make a million dollars. Don't write something like take a Venice vacation. But really do the soul searching because God, look at me, God has put a dream in your life. And that dream may not be the way the world defines success, but it's success for you. And you may never be happy making a million dollars, and you may never be happy taking a Venice vacation, but you'll be happy doing what God designed you to do. Trust me, after 64 and a half years, I've made a lot of mistakes that I'd go back and do over differently, but I wouldn't change the call of God, my marriage, my family, are my decisions to follow him where he's led me in ministry. You can trust God. Amen? And then one final thing tonight. This Christmas, because of the light, faint not. Don't give up. Don't give up. 
And I'm just going to ask you a few questions and we're going to sing and we're going to pray here in just a moment. But my last message on the light, I ask our congregation, every time you see the colored lights of Christmas, remember when you look at an amber light, you're seeing a fresh start. Remember when you see a green life, you're seeing the color of life. Remember how God created everything. And when you see a blue light, remember that God, this planet that we live on is our home. Whenever you see a gold light, remember that everything God does is with excellence and that everything you do can be touched by God's excellence. Whenever you see a red light, remember there's danger. And God doesn't give you warnings to scare you, but God gives you warnings to protect you in life. And whenever you see the red light, remember there's a reason that Jesus Christ died for our sins because it's sin that keeps us from the presence of God. And there's not a one of us without sin. And that's the dangerous part of living. That every baby that I dedicate, when I meet with the parents in my study, I remind them, train this child. Teach this child about Jesus. Because one day, this child is going to need to confess the Christ of Christmas is their Lord and Savior. And when I watched your babies this year, when I watched their eyes light up while they stood on this stage and they sang and they danced, there was one little baby, I'm not going to call its name, but one little of those munchkins that was up here happy and dancing, I sat with and held in the hospital day after day and we prayed and we fasted over that baby and I remember the doctor telling me there was no hope for that baby. But God blessed them, God blessed the parents, and God blessed this church. We didn't give up, and a healthy child sang and praised the Lord in a Christmas play. And when I saw that, honey, i got to tell you something, my life lit up on Christmas Day. Can you give him another hand of praise tonight? Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. Don't ever, ever give up. So what are you thinking about giving up on tonight? Your marriage? your finances, that child that's away from God, your career. Maybe you're thinking about just giving up on life. Don't ever, ever give up. I had a friend named Jerry Bray. He was one of my disciples early in my life as a young man. Jerry used to always carry in his pocket a little coin. And anytime anybody was worried or stress, he'd pull it out and he'd give it to them. And on that little coin was printed a saying, don't give up, look up. He gave me one one time as a new young pastor and I was discouraged about something. I ended up giving it away years ago. But I've never forgot those words. Whenever you're tempted to give up, look up. Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Can you say amen to that? So can I tell you on this Christmas season, now, today is the time. Now is the time. If you've wandered away from God, come back home to God. Come back home to His love. Jesus has issued an invitation at Christmas. He sang to shepherds through the angel choir, And he told them, don't be afraid. Isn't that interesting? Let's just go all the way back to the beginning. 
To Mary, he says, fear not. To Joseph, he said, do not be afraid. And to shepherds, just common, ordinary men, he said, fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy. Shepherds were known for being far from God. You may think you're too far from God. But God brought you here for a reason tonight to tell you, come home to me. Come back to Christ. You may be like my friend Thomas Messner. Thomas who came to Christ late in life. Successful businessman in our community. Wonderful man. Tom one day, late in life, came to my office. We sat down in my study. I had preached his wife's funeral. We had talked about some things. He had prayed a prayer. But then one day Tom came and we sat down. And that day Tom prayed. That day Tom, this man who a long time ago had walked away from his faith, came back home to God. In the last two years of his life, Tom Messner lived a wonderful and glorious life for Jesus Christ. The night he died, I got a call and I went down to the hospital and he reached up in his bed and he took my hands and he says, Pastor, are you sure? I says, Tom, it doesn't matter whether I'm sure or not. What matters is what God said. And so those promises, those promises we hid in our heart, I prayed over Tom and he smiled and I leaned over and kissed his forehead and says, Tom, I love you. Tom Messner went home to be with Jesus that very night. I want to tell you, now's the time to come back home to God. Change your hearts and lives. Read this with me, please. Put it up, Acts 3.19. Come back to God and He will forgive your sins. And then the Lord will send you the time of rest. Read Isaiah 54 and verse 7 with me. With deep love, I will take you back. Do you remember when I took your hands just a few moments ago? Do you remember that? God is saying, with deep love, I'll take you back. God's not standing there angry at you. God is not there. Why did you do that? Tom, who had everything this earth could afford, came to the end of his life knowing coming back home to God was the most important decision he'd ever make. And there was no condemnation. There was only amazing grace. With deep love, I'll take you back. And then finally, and we're going to pray, it's not only time to come home to God, it's time to receive His saving grace. Last night, we had dinner together as a family. We're sitting in the family room. We're playing a game. And all of a sudden, Becky looks at Davin. She goes, I'm ready for gifts. Davin looks at her and says, no, Grandma. Two more days. Two more days. She says, two more days. He says, tomorrow and then Christmas. Right, Papa? Right, Davin. I want you to know you don't have to wait. You can receive grace tonight.
you can receive the greatest Christmas gift of all. You can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Read this with me from 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 6. And by the way, this is from the children's Bible, and it doesn't get any deeper than this right here. Jesus gave himself to pay for the sins of all people. Jesus is proof that God wants all people to be saved. And that proof came at the when? The right time. He's never late. He's right on time. Stand with me tonight. Would you bow your heads this evening? I'm asking you now, Father, to receive our deepest and heartfelt thanksgiving. That Jesus came as the light of the world. And though there may be some in this room tonight that feel like they're in the darkest of caverns trying to find the light. Jesus, you're right there in that cave with them. You came into this world and you became one of us. And that's why we're gathered here tonight. Lord, for some, they may feel like tonight time has run out. God, time is never out when you are here with us. You're the ruler and the maker and the creator of time. Lord, some tonight may be really fearful and having difficulty trusting you. I, I'm asking you for a supernatural visitation of your Holy Spirit upon their lives to trust you. God, some may have come just vexed tonight. They're trying to cover it up, but God... I just ask you, they'll humble themselves before you and before others. You're going to lift them up. You're going to take care of them. And Father, thank you for giving us the Bible that we can study and we can rest upon your promises. So I ask you now, that no one will leave this room giving up but everyone in this room will look up Lord before I ask you to be seated I want to give you an opportunity I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand or walk this aisle but I want to give you an opportunity to talk to God tonight to come back home to God and receive His grace his fresh start, His new beginning. For Him to lift you up and to put you back on your feet again. And I want to help you pray. You don't have to say the same words I pray, but just, would you pray tonight something like this? Say, Dear God, I'm tired of trusting myself. I can't save myself. If I could, there wouldn't be a Christmas day. And because 
I need saving. You sent Jesus. I don't understand it all yet. But I know I need to trust you. That you love me. That you're not out to get even with me. You're not out to punish me. But you're here to forgive me. And to lift me up out of my sin. And give me a fresh start in life. So as much as I know how, on this Christmas Eve, 2019, I give my life to you. In Jesus' name. Every head is still bowed. No one looking around. But if you prayed that, would you just look up here at me just now? No one else is looking but you and me. All over this building, people are looking at me right in the eye. You don't need to put up your hand, but that's okay if you do. Church, can we give the Lord a hand of praise for these that are saying, I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ. Come on, praise Him. God is such a good and loving and forgiving God. Such a good and a loving and forgiving God.